So if you'll notice on the screen, just like on the second session, uh, and there's a, there's a, a few scriptures we're going to look over, so I'll have them up here. I think that'll be uh, easier to uh, make sure we're um, keeping up. Is the questions that I want us um, to answer um, are, are these. And so how, how I think that this will be helpful um, as we steer through this is, so, so often, I mean, it's really important, obviously, that everybody kind of learns a little bit differently. Um, I'm a kind of a out, uh, a process kind of out loud. Other people uh, like to sit and think. Um, if you have a question as it relates to kind of ground level obedience, um, why I want you to share is because I think the question that you have is probably a question that somebody else has. All right. And also, um, if that is helpful dialoguing with me, I want you like this is the time to kind of work it out. Right. Like it's not we're not going to go. We're going to fix all of the issues. But this is like this is the time for it. So I don't want you to think, well, hey, I've got this question, but I just don't talk in these things <coughs> for that to be a deterrent. This is really important. OK that we understand and that we've got our questions asked so that I want, I want us to be able to move forward. It's like, okay, I know concretely some things that I need to do, right? And I know what obedience looks like in my life, right? And I know where I'm falling short of that, okay? So that would be my prayer for this session. So as we look at the questions here, um, as I have talked with um, folks over the past several years, there are many people that don't think obedience is necessary to have a relationship with Christ. Okay? I don't know what you think about that, but there's some kind of category where I can, ha- I can be saved and not be obedient to Christ. And so that's something that you've got to wrestle with. That is not a biblical category. Okay? We're going to look at, look at that. And so you're like, well, well, then what does that mean? It's like, well, it means something. <laughs> and so I, I don't want to leave it. I don't want to get... For people to have this unfair impression that I can have the relationship that God seeks with me and I can be saved and not be obedient. Okay? Um, that's not, as we've looked at, so key verses we'll look at some more, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not quite it. And so I want to be clear with why I think that is and for you to have questions if you have questions about that. About what that means and what it doesn't mean, right? So do I have to be obedient and to what extent? What does God call me out for as he calls me out, right? And how do I start being obedient if I don't think I have been previously? So those are some pretty hard-hitting questions. All right, so let's look at one. Uh, our first verse is going to be John 14, 21. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use some scriptures essentially to answer these questions. And so here is where I want you to dig in. Feel free to push back. Like I'm, I'm trying to be helpful here, but if what I'm saying is not, is not clicking or it's like that doesn't make sense because of X, like ask that question out loud because I promise you somebody else has that same, that same question. Okay? All right, so here's our, first, uh, here's our first scripture. So do I have to be obedient? All right, and so um, I think yes. And so we're going to talk about kind of why that is using a, a couple different scriptures. Um, hopefully you can kind of follow the argument that I'm going to use is that it's the first commandment. <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. How do we have other gods before him? We act and do things, right, that don't honor him, right, and don't, uh, and don't elevate him to king over my life. Those are not feelings. We don't feel that he's my king or he's not. Right, that's where we get lost in a little bit. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Is my actions. Right? My actions are what matter. So it, it, it does, it's not, it's not um, my feelings are not unimportant, right? But I don't, I don't, I, we, we need to get past this. I'm just, I feel close to God or I don't. What God cares about is if you are obedient to Him or not, right? That is what He's come to change the nature of the relationship that He has with you. All right, so let's look at this first verse. John 14, 21. Somebody want to read that up on the screen? They hadn't had a chance to read or chat. Aaron, will you read for us? He who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will, love, or I will love him and disclose myself to him. So this is one of my favorite verses as it describes the intimacy 
uh, right, that God calls us for. We use the word love. I love this. I love that. I love pimento cheese. I love ice cream sandwiches. I love my gerbil. I love this TV show, right? We say this word a lot, but, and yet we say we also love God, right? And God also says, well, he so loved me. <laughs> he so loved the world. The, the way that we use it and the way that he uses it, very different. And so we want to be clear about here, and I think that this kind of brings all that together, right, is so that how we are, uh, can be very straightforward with how God seeks for us to show him love, right, how he feels loved and how he says we are loved, and also like what that means for us. He who has my commandments, so knows them, right, keeps them like they are authoritative in his life. Um, think about uh, you don't know things about stuff you don't care about. Right, so I think I don't want us to dismiss right this first thing. He who knows my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And so, what is the flip side of that? What's the negative right statement of that um, of that same fact? He who does not my commandments will not be loved. Yeah, he does not have my commandments, and he who does not keep them is one who does not love me. And so we don't, uh, I, I, would, I would maybe say, you know, God is not, again, doesn't not care about our feelings, but we feel all kinds of ways about all kinds of things, right? Like I, I do tasks at work, all kinds of things that I don't like, <laughs> right? But yet there's a difference between me doing it and me not doing it, right? I love the parable where he, uh, where this comes up and uh, he says, okay, so there's a, so there's a man with two sons. And one son said, hey, I will go and doesn't. And another says, like, I'm not going and does. Who did the will of the father? The second one. one. Who actually did it? Doesn't really matter (laughs) what he said, right? I love that. So straightforward. He's just like, you tell me. (laughs) Who was obedient? Well, one said, no, that's not one. It's like, who did it or who didn't do it? And so in, in, early on in my, um, actually for probably the first four or five times when I started being a part of a, a Christian community, I don't know if I was uh, a believer or a follower of Christ at that point, but I really struggled with this. And I talked to tons of people that struggle with, like, I just don't feel close to God, or I don't know about this or that. And it's all about basically like a confidence level, right? If I'm confident, then I feel close. If I'm not confident, I don't. And so we constantly are kind of doubting and <laughs> undoubting, right, about who we are with him. Yet, uh, tucked away all over the scripture, it says that that's not, the, that's not the problem, right? The problem is, are you obedient or are you not? And that issue then flows from who is your authority, right? Is he my king or is he not? So questions or thoughts? Go ahead. I, said, I was going to say, I heard a really good sermon on this and. The, the, the summary of it was you're either a yes, Lord, or a no, sir, person. Because mm, like you cannot that. say no and God will still be your Lord. That's right. Yep. A yes, Lord, person, or a no, sir. I like that. That's really helpful. But then here, I like that he doesn't just leave it there, right? He can just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm irritated and like, guys, okay? <laughs> but then he goes and continues And he who loves me, right, will be loved by my father. Right, like you're part of the family by your obedience. Like that's how you show that you are part of the family. Right, it doesn't, obedience doesn't get you in the family necessarily, right? Right, but that's how you show that you're a part of the family. And this last part, and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. That because you're part of my family, right, that there's going to be deeper, more intimate relationship, but that deeper, more intimate relationship starts with obedience. And so here's the plainest way I can say it. <clears throat> that if somebody tells me I've never met my dad in my life, and my, somebody comes and tells me, hey, this is your dad. And so it's like, what's the nature of a dad-son relationship? Well, it means that you start acting like he's your dad. <laughs> You start being obedient to his voice in your life. And this, that's as plain as I can say it about what relationship with God is like. If you are in whatever relationship, it's only like 
a covenant relationship with God if you're being obedient to him. If, if it's not that, then it's something else. So questions or thoughts about that? Because that, that pushes against a lot of maybe how we think through that. And I understand that that's hard. But I also think that I want to give you confidence, like, oh, I can know that I'm following. <laughs> Versus, like, how am I feeling about it at this point? So the, so the last thing, and I'll, and I'll be quiet, and I really want you to, to tell me how you feel about that. I don't like that, or, okay, that makes sense, or whatever. <clears throat> is what this feels like with not knowing kind of where I stand with him is like a relationship that I don't know where I stand in. And has anybody loved those relationships? I asked this a couple weeks ago. Anybody like me hate that, not knowing where I stand with the person? Like, I'm not doing a great job. I wonder if they're going to fire me or not. <laughs> that just feels good to come into work. Or like you're on a date and you're like, I think this person's going to break up with me. I don't think they like me very much. <laughs> but let's just keep, you know, let's just keep this. I like this. Just this unknowing, not really sure where I stand. <clears throat> And God's like, I, that's not what I'm here for. No other gods before me. If you know my commandments and you obey them, that is how you love me. Questions? I like my translation. It just says, the last part uh, says, I will love them and I will manifest myself to them. Hmm. That's a promise. Yeah. Um, so sometimes for me, um, I struggle with just not seeing into the tunnel, kind of like, you know, I don't feel instant gratification. Yeah. Every single time I do, you know, something I, I don't know, if I do the right thing, there's something I don't want to do. Right. Um, but it's really, it's an encouragement to me, just that verse. Yeah. Agreed. Other thoughts? As much as it rubs against, like, my nature, when I kind of go back to, like, imagining, like, a couple that's sitting down that's, like, about to want to get engaged, and one person's like, yeah, we're going to do, like, an open marriage, right? Like, <laughs> as absurd as that feels, like, kind of going back to that, like, it is our nature. We do want covenantal relationship. Like, that is our desire. We do want that secure space, but we want it on the, co- like, we want the cost on something else. We don't want yeah. there to be a cost. Like, I don't right. want to pay. Right. I don't want to give up. I don't want to sacrifice. I don't want to have to be faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just want, like, faithful to me. And realizing, like, how clearly selfish that seems on human terms mm-hmm. makes it easier to understand how clearly selfish that is, like, in spiritual relationships. Yeah. But one thing this did toward me as I was just really struggling with this is it really was kind of a moving from an ignorance to an understanding, right? It's like it, it wasn't, I wasn't doing that because I knew that it meant obedience and I was just trying to like it not be true. I didn't really know that. <laughs> I didn't know that those were the terms of the relationship. But once I did, I was like, thank you, Father, because I know exactly <laughs> the nature of the relationship now. And that was so freeing to me because I knew when I was obeying and I knew what I wasn't. Right? And I knew what I needed to do if that was uh, not the case. Anybody else? All right, go ahead. Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Because Abraham did all that God commanded them, God reckoned it to him as righteousness. And then when that's retold in Romans 4, it says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so that link between. You can't say I believe him and yet not obey him. Because if I don't obey him, I'm not actually taking him at his word. Right. And so I think that is the link between faith and obedience. Right. Yeah, and a couple weeks ago we talked about that there is, you know, where our struggle is, is is in this word believe, right? The nature of that word and the extent to which, like, uh, as to what it means. So there in the verse that... that, um, Renee Mishes, the, the word uh, is pistis, right? It's, um, we translate it faith, but it's exercising trust. It's embodied trust. And so we can't, right, we're, when, we're saying, when we're saying that, it means action. 
it doesn't mean it's it never is supposed to mean some kind of internal like uh, uh, kind of meaningless uh, that, that no outward manifestation needs to happen. All right, let's look at our second verse, uh, Luke nine sixty two. And so at the end of verse nine, he uses three examples about what discipleship, right, followership to Christ meant, and he and he uh, speaks to one um, representative uh, person, and he says, well, "I'll follow you, I'll, or I'll follow you wherever you go." And he says, "Birds of the uh, birds of the." Sky have nests, foxes have dens, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay their head. And he's saying, kind of like kingdom over culture, like, my kingdom is not of this world. Like, I'm not home here. <laughs> I don't have a place to be here. I'm just here for a short time. So the second, second warning talks about, um, well, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury uh, my, my father. And he says, let the, bed, let the dead carry, uh, bury their own dead. You come and follow me. Right, that he doesn't want you to think that there's priorities over when he calls us to do something. He's like, well, wait, wait, I'll do that, but let me first. He's like, no. And the last one is this one. Remember Jesus says, this third example, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I think this one actually is the hardest one because I want to hedge my bets. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, I'm used to being able to get off on an exit if I need to, right? Like, that's, that's what we're used to. But when we're all in, right, it doesn't mean that we need to plow straight. <laughs> but it's like, if I put my hand to the plow, I understand, like, what, what's going on, and I'm going to get better at this, but that's what I'm doing, even if I'm bad at it, right? I'm not plowing in a straight line, but that is the point, that I am plowing, that I'm understanding that I am in relationship and I'm moving forward. And I love, Renee, as you bring up Abraham, right? As we read Abraham's story, he is not perfectly obedient. But we, all, but we can say that Abraham did put his hand to the plow, right? And he moved forward anxiously at some points, right? And he made some mistakes, obviously, but he didn't, right? In, in, uh, in uh, the testimony of the Old Testament, testimony of the New, right? That he uh, was faithful in the way that he needed him to be. So um, as you think about this one, what is your reaction, right? So as we think about being obedient, <clears throat> right, and to what extent, this is the extent. Right, that I'm obedient all the way, right, but it doesn't mean fully. I'm not perfect, right? It doesn't mean fully meaning, like, is, as there's going to be lapses in, um, I think this may be best... Uh, the word I like, uh, I've heard uh, another person use is this word allegiance. And it's basically just trusting, right, a, a, a king. That's what it means to trust a king, right, to live allegiantly. And so we've seen this kind of idea that there's, there's certain parts where we have kind of misgivings. We have certain parts where we're kind of a little tentative, but we're not, we're, we're not like turning our back on the king, right? Like I'm not going to be good at being allegiant, but I will be better. And so I think that that holds a little bit better as it relates. So that's not emotional, right? That's just me being obedient or not. So thoughts about, thoughts about this one, Luke 9, 62. I, I question this one because, I mean, personally, I, I see, well, you put a good example of like holding on to the handle. Of, like you think of, of just this, holding on to something and plowing and either way you're going to drift away but you still hold on so I like that analogy yeah okay good right and as, as it relates to like fitness for the kingdom like am i right it's not he doesn't he doesn't the expectation is not for us to be ready to be kingdom citizens immediately it's like hey am i do i want to be in here and learn right how to follow the father like, that's what it means to be fitness. Like, I'm, I'm in, right? And I'm learning, and I'm, and I'm here for it. All right, the third one is Colossians 1.13. And if you're wondering, there's just five. Somebody want to read this one? I hadn't read before. I love the language here. 
I, as the king, as you swear allegiance to me, as you are obedient to me, right? That is what it means to faith. And you have rescued me from the domain of following after, right, what the other kingdom and what it leads to, darkness and death. And he has transferred us to this new kingdom. Right, that he's getting his, he's, he's gathering his obedient subjects, right? Like, get out, you know, that, this, this kingdom is not for you, right? This kingdom is. That's how we know. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So helpful. Uh, he wants us to be part of his kingdom. And yet, right, we, don't, we think we're in his kingdom. I just live in the world and I kind of enjoy both things. He's like, no, man, don't, don't enjoy the other thing. Like, this kingdom is better. And kingdom is just rule. Like, my rule in your life is better than your rule in your life. That's his claim. That's what he's asking of you. Do you, <laughs> are you going to act that that's true? Are you going to be my kingdom citizen? Are you going to be allegiant to me? Are you going to trust me as your king? That's what it means to be part of my kingdom. That's what it means to be, to trust my kingdom over partaking in the culture. Thoughts? Love rescue. Does it feel like that all? I'm, I'm good. I don't need to be rescued, right? <laughs> I think it lays it out pretty straightforward. Good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's like, no questions. I get it. <laughs> All right. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. Leah, would you mind reading that one? He is addressing me like I feel like I don't need to be addressed. Like if I've ever read anything and felt more unworthy of any, <laughs> uh, anybody saying anything to me, it's this, right? As I struggle to be obedient and he's, he's saying, but, but hey, but you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, holy nation. That I see you not as you see yourselves, right? But how I want you to be. Right? How I mean you to be. Right? This is King talking to his people about what he wants for them. About who they are for him. This is not, this is not some icky kingdom where he's just gathering people for his own jollies. Right? He thinks a lot of you. He wants to use you. Right, so this is answering that question, right, to what extent? What has he called me out for? The kingdom that he's transferred you into is full of priests. There's no one that's not available to be used in that way. It's not, it's not some special, like everyone is priests. They proclaim the goodness of God. They help others into relationship with him, and they establish others in God's goodness. It's not just, hey, there's a different kingdom, but it's, hey, let me show you how to get into that kingdom, and hey, let me sit here and show you what it is to live right in the goodness of our king. <clears throat> Lastly, John 6, 68 through 69. Kitty, would you read that? So we had a great conversation in the office this week about this verse. This is really helpful for me to hear some others share about their stories. I think that, that the word said here are really indicative of every Christ follower at some level of their life. At some time in their life, I think this very well encapsulates um, 
what sincere faith is. So if you're not familiar with this passage, please turn to John 6. So in John 6, this is, um, at this point, Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000. There are tons of people that are interested in what he has to say. There are tons of people that, uh, that want to know more. And then after he feeds them, it, it records the episode of him kind of giving what calls the hard teaching. Then unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part from me. <coughs> right, that you have to be one that I, he, he, there's lots of just implications as far as like what he, and he does, it, it's not easy for what he shares with them. And he continues on, and it says in John six sixty six that many of his disciples did not continue to walk with him. They turn back. And so Jesus then turns right to the apostles and it says, are you going to leave too? And Peter responds in 68 and 69. This is his response. I want to unpack this real quick. And uh, because this, this is, I think uh, some, this is, kind of shows kind of the steps of somebody understanding what it means to make Christ uh, Jesus king in their life, to enter into the relationship that he wants for us. So when he asks them, will you go too? Right? Is there anywhere else that you like to go? Is there anywhere else that you want to find life? You've heard what I have to say. Are there alternatives open to you? Because if, if, if you want to go to the right, if there's anywhere else that they think is worth going, then they're going to go there, right? <laughs> and Peter asks, and this is how, this is, this is what we should mean, Lord, to whom shall we go? Right? What is underlying that statement? Is it just choice? Do they realize that I've tried everything else and there isn't anywhere else to go? <laughs> or is it that I... Both of those things are true, and yet I'm choosing you. What do you think? What's underlying that statement? Lord, that question, Lord, where, where, where will we go? Well, I don't think it's like they don't have places to go, but they know the places they could go. They don't have the answer of right. Christ and the gospel. Absolutely. Somebody else, that's great. What, are they, what, is, what does Peter, you think, mean when he says this? Or to whom shall we go? Well, think about the things that we've been talking about the whole time, right? Our, our idols. Peter's saying, all the things I chased after, like, I put those things away. I don't want those things anymore, right? I don't need those things anymore. I feel, find no answers in those things. Right? I, I, where, where else would I go? Because I recognize those idols as idols. Like, I recognize those things as not the things I need. And so, I, uh, what, 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 how dismissive, like, this is it, like I burned my ship. <laughs> to whom shall we go? I have to choose God over everything else as my God. Again, you don't quit your job, you don't stop being in your relationship, you don't fire your parents. <laughs> you don't get a different car, right? But I, I replace the thing that I'm allegiant to with God and everything else falls into place. There is not anywhere else I want to be and there's no other person that can fulfill my deepest need. The deep idols, that is what they are. God fulfills those deep idols. So that's the first thing. Second thing he says is, you have the words of eternal life. What does that statement mean as it relates to obedience, as it relates to Peter's choice? What is he saying? Because you've got the map. 
Why does it matter that I say it? Why can't me, me and Renee just purpose in our hearts to be married or do people understand that we are? Why do we need to like go and tell each other <laughs> and let everyone else know, right, that we're married? This is a legitimate question. He's saying you have the words of eternal life. I don't just like feel it in my heart that you do. <laughs> you. What do you think about that? What's he saying? Somebody else. Good answer, Renee. You have the words of eternal life. That's right. I can't myself. Yep. Absolutely. Keep filling in the blanks. What else does it mean? It means so much. Anything else about me is fleeting. Yeah. What he says is eternal. The things we choose, we don't choose things like, you know what? This is frivolous. Let me engage in it. Like, we don't do that. We don't choose foolishness, right? It just proves to be foolish. <laughs> right, but, but everything that we're choosing so often, like we think we're choosing life when we're choosing entertainment, when we're choosing like when I, hey, I just want to travel because that is life. Van life, you know. <laughs> Airplane rides. Concerts, you know, whatever, whatever you know, people just think is like, that's the best, right? And it's fun. And then the concert's over and they have to bring the van back and the date's over and you get back home. That's temporal life. He says, you have the words of eternal life. Like that's what he claims. Like, mm. right. That's a good example actually of the culture that's contrary to yeah. the gospel. The moment it's all kicks and giggles and every yeah. time you life. Yeah. But then when you get done, you gotta uh, turn back to life or the actual truth of Jesus Christ. You realize that wasn't really that fun in the moment. I realize yeah. <laughs> I only have you. But the issue the issue isn't like the fun, though we have to remember that. Like the concert, like concert is fun. Like it was legitimately fun and that's fine. Like we can go to concerts. We can have the time of our lives. The issue is that that is not life, <laughs> right? Like we want to make that our entire life. Oh, I'm just the worst. I can't, I can't go to a concert in three months. You know, <laughs> life is over. It's thinking that that's the gateway to like, if I just do that, it's like, man, this was the, had the best time you know, just partying. It's like, yeah, it was, it was great. That's awesome. But it's like, well, it means like party every night. <laughs> like that's the, that's the issue. Right, I've come to recognize that life comes from Jesus and no one else. Like true life. He is the author of it. And so I listen to him about how to live it. And his words are truth. Your mom's the king, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's right. I am obedient to right, who, who loves me well. And that's what we should. And over and over again, we continue to choose things that don't love us well. As the thing that loves us well sits there saying. <laughs> His words are truth. Lastly, verse 69, we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. As we're talking about this in the office, I'm going to put Kitty on the spot here. And if, if you can't remember, don't think you articulate that, I, I think I uh, can help you out. Um, but I think she put this really, really well. Um, right, so 69 we have is this word, um, it's just pisteo, it's the, it's the verb form. We have faithed, right, we have, we have exercised trust in you, right? We've gone on the date, right? We've gotten married, 
We've done the thing. And then now we have come to know. Right? Different level experience. Right? It has manifested itself that you are the Holy One of God. There's nowhere else to go. Where will we go? I understand that you have the words of eternal life. We have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Uh, Kitty, explain to me how, how this has worked in your life. Mm -hmm. And then what followed? Yeah, so like when I had first started to actually like believe in the Lord and walk with Him, I had a really hard time just like learning how to functionally trust the Lord in my life. Like I could say it, but what does that actually look like? And so I would like take a verse and pick it apart and say like, okay, well this is the verb that He says that I'm called to do. Like it says seek. And then, like, like it's the if, comma, then statement. <coughs> and so I learned to take that and just be obedient to that one little verse. And it is always proven, like, faithfully, every time that when I obediently obey... <laughs> I love it. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I really obey. If I obey that first if part, the then always comes. And so that is just build up my confidence in the Lord. Um, that, okay, I can take that next step and um, trust him a little more and start turning the, not just the small things like my drive towards, but like the big things in life over to him and learn how to functionally trust him. Right, so as you faithed, right, he, he uh, rewarded that faith, right, concretely. Right, and then I trust a little more and then I faith again and then he proves himself worthy again. And I do it over and over again. And so then we can say as, so he had first had to, right, engage. There's tons of reasons too. It's not, this is not, uh, we're not trusting with no evidence. We have all the evidence in the world, but there's this other thing that as I, I come to know it, right? That I think Renee likes me. I think maybe she loves me. So I, Faithed, and then I came to know it, right? I can't come to know it outside of engaging actively in that relationship. Thoughts about that last one? I think so often why people fall short of faith is because we want that second part first. Hmm. I, want to, I want to know for sure before I trust. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's just not, that's not how it works, because that's not true faith. And, and so we, you know, like the rich and ruler, walk away sad because we're, you know, so many fall short of being willing to take that, that step. Or we have a, in dating relationship, right? I want to act like I'm married without making the commitment. <laughs> Try before you buy. That's right. God is not a tribe before you buy, <laughs> He's a buy. And then benefit. <laughs> Somebody else. I always think of like all of the dumb risks I take in life. Like not that I'm even a risk taker. But there's so many dumb things yeah. that I do where yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I'm just say it. It'll be fine. I'll right. just go out on a limb and say it. And just right. like all kinds of things that like, it, there's so many moments in just like daily life where it's like, eh, just go for it, it'll be fine, whatever. But how much resistance there is to the idea of like, you know what, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna trust the Lord. Yeah. Like I'm just going to seek him. Like I'm just going to like, open my Bible and get engage with him, hang out, get mm -hmm. to know him more and trust that I'll know him and not like, okay, I'm gonna give you this many minutes, make it worth it. Whereas, like, like I said, I just do dumb stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> no. I think that's. I think that is. Yes, all of us. I think can say that. <laughs> Sam, you got a thought? Uh, I'll <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think. <coughs> I really appreciated what Kitty had to share. Um, and so, 
I mean, I shared with you a little earlier, just like trusting God, like at his word and like with the small things, like he will every time prove himself. And um, I think just like that has like allowed me recently to like know him deeper and to just to like, just like to truly love him more. Um, it's just very satisfying. Just like, I'm just like <laughs> being obedient to him and him like responding with like, like he lavishes me with his grace, like yeah. as we read this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, God has proven himself a lot to me. I feel like more than he needs to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. especially over the past like quarter. Um, yeah, it really just takes like taking him at his word and like doing the things he calls you to do and just trusting that he will do the thing. Yeah. I, know I guess that sounds simple, but. It is simple. <laughs> we want to make it more complicated. It's, so I was thinking about the tense of this. So we yeah. have to leave. Yep. Um, so when we were learning about this, like tense, the idea that it has a future impact mm-hmm. on like what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think so often we think that our belief or our knowing is like a one-time thing. Yeah. I believe God that one time. Yep. I'm good. But like thinking about it as like it's a continual thing that we're doing. Like Kitty said, you know, finding a verb and every verb is like continuing to trust. Right. Yep. You know, the king is, is concerned that the, not that the, the subjects have been allegiant in the past, that you're allegiant now. Great, thank you. Like, I appreciate the allegiance in the past, but like what really matters is always right now. Yeah, great. So we have begun to exercise embodied trust and have come to exercise, uh, experience life uh, with him. This is the only way we experience life with him. Life with him is not meant to just be feelings <laughs> that I'm connected. It's supposed to actually be life with him. Hey, I need you to do this. Okay, that's life with him. <laughs> hey, I need you to live like this. Okay, that's life with him. But think about when we don't do that, what is it that we have with him? <laughs> we have his book. <laughs> we're around his people. But if, unless we're obedient, that's not, that's not anything. I says we have believed. I think my uh, my dad, he was saved when he was only when he was 22. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was a not a good person. So God is fantastic for saving him. Um, but he, he's told me how he's tried so many of the world's past world's other religions. Mm-hmm. And so much legalism, so much hypocrisy, so much not um, authenticity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we have in Christianity, due to the fact that all that, and that, that Christ day, Christ came to die for our sins on the cross and was resurrected. <clears throat> that was, those are some of the reasons why he became a Christian. Mm-hmm. He's tried. So because he has tried all the other things, he has come, he has become, has believed in the Holy One of God. Yeah. Which I think is pretty powerful. It is, it is. So Peter here, as he says this, he's moved from acting like, right, Jesus is his king, to knowing and experiencing that that he is. We got to act like it, but then we know. I got to actively trust her, and then I can trust her. All right, so I'll close with uh, this. Uh, turn with me to Matthew 5, 3. So this is kind of an exercise moving forward for you to get some of this embodiment. <clears throat> I us talk about it doesn't matter about feelings, but man, there's no better feeling than knowing when I've been obedient. <laughs> I did it right, I think. 
I can't tell you, though, how much of my early walking with Christ or whatever, the seeking Him or whatever I was doing, that there was just no concreteness. There just wasn't... <laughs> there just wasn't... <clears throat> I just didn't know what was going on. And then after that, it was like night and day. I don't know, and then I know. Right? Uh, this is the Beatitudes. And this is before he um, says kind of a lot of teaching uh, early on in his ministry. He essentially says, favored, blessed are you. Right? Hey, you're doing it right if you do this. And these are the rewards. It's like a real simple language. And again, we make it more complicated. And he's got this list of, uh, of, of uh, essentially all these things are true of us if we are active in them. Like he can call somebody merciful if they act mercifully, right? We can call somebody that they hunger and thirst for righteousness when they actually hunger and thirst for righteousness. You follow me? So every one of these, uh, every one of these things is favored are you, right? You're doing good are you, <laughs> are actions, And so look at that list. Look at those actions. Look at those kind of uh, character-defining things. That as I do those things, right, that those things are true of me. But I've got to act gently, right, to be gentle. So look just at, down through the list in your Bible about what, what it means to be favored, blessed, what it means to do right. We don't talk about that much. What does it mean? Like, what am I need to be doing? This is a good list. I need to be poor in spirit. I need to mourn. I need to be gentle. I need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I need to be merciful. I need to be pure in heart. I need to be peacemaker, a peacemaker. Right, that if I'm persecuted for the sake of righteousness, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> right, if I'm insulted, persecuted, and lied about on account of God, that is not a bad thing. So I want you to concentrate on those actions, and then here, here's kind of the slap in the face to me, because this was a huge miss on my part. Have you ever noticed that there's no promises of God outside of those actions? And I thought that I got those regardless of what I did. God, that was a big mess. I was looking forward <laughs> to, those, to the blessings and I had no intention and, no, uh, and was not doing the things that he said got those blessings. That's not like a little mess. That's a big mess on my part. I did not understand that. I thought that I could get the promises without the other things being true of me. I can get the paycheck without showing up to work. <laughs> I get the benefits of having a wonderful relationship without putting the work in. That is where far too much of our brethren are. There's no reason to be obedient. I get these things. I don't know why I thought that. I, there's lots of reasons, but that's what I thought. <laughs> that's a bad spot to be in. As, it says, as, it's, as it's talking about the, the language here, that that is not something we should expect. You understand that? That's like the last kind of Heavy thing. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. But conversely, that as I, as I engage in those things, however imperfectly, right, that those blessings are mine. Like, they are mine. Like, it is. Like, I do this and this happens. I hunger and thirst for righteousness and I will be satisfied. If I am merciful, I will receive the mercy I so desperately crave. I don't just get to receive mercy without showing others mercy. It doesn't work like that. 
So respond as you read that and we'll, we'll close there. I was Connor, as Connor said, like, no, nope, I get it. That makes sense. No, no questions. <laughs> That's pretty clear. I think it's hard to look at this and not get caught up in like how transactional it reads. Mm -hmm. But it's more the idea of like, we were blessed are the merciful for they receive mercy because they understand who I am and they are seeking to emulate me. Right. Like, it's not that he's just giving us a random to-do list. Of That's like, right. Come try these things out. Do these things and I'll give you nice things. He's saying these are the things that define me. If you want to live like me and if you want to be in my kingdom and you're saying that like I want to live out faith like He's laying it out for us. Mm -hmm. He's not like blindly transactionally like, all right, do more, get more. Right. He's saying, like, if you want to know what it means to be like me, let's go. Like A, B, C, D. Mm -hmm. Like, let's do it. Let's not do it perfectly. Let's mess it up a lot, but let's aim for it. Let's grow in it. Yeah. Let's desire it. Yeah, I love how that use that that language of transactionally. So here's how it's here is how just another everything Sabrina said is 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 exactly right. So here's here's how I think we understand transactionally the the language of the Sermon on the Mount, right, is kingdom. That's why it's not transactional. Right? To get into the kingdom, right? I'm I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? No other gods before me. Right? Like that, like as you enter into that relationship. Right then, like that's how we're obedient to that relationship. Those are the rules of the relationship. And so it's not I just randomly be merciful to, you know, it's I do that because my king says that is the way that I show you how to live. And so in faith, that is how I faith, by being obedient. That's why those two things come together. Does that make sense? You said it, I did it. That's faith, yes. So, outside of faith, you know, for those who don't believe, I mean, do good things do happen to them. And Paul makes it clear that those blessings, that food on the table, that health, is a witness mm -hmm. of God's goodness. It's designed to draw them to God. And what's the what's the verse? The I one that we we miss. I've actually been looking for it today, but on the internet. That's your kindness, it. right? Yes. Um, so. But when we transition as Christians into the grace of God, that, I feel like that changes. We're no longer depending on that, we're no longer depending on that just witness that mm -hmm. God has out there for non-believers, but as she said, it's become transactional. And I feel like sometimes it's really easy, and that's why sometimes we look back, sometimes we backslide, it's because we kind of do almost have that hedge in our head sometimes where we think, well, you know, God, you know, God, for hundreds of years, God allowed the Israelites to to execute their sacrifice, their children, and he allowed them to continue to harvest. And he continued to show grace and mercy to them for a very long time before his judgment finally came down hard. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, for me personally, I wonder if that's some of my struggles with just truly stepping in in faith like you said earlier mm -hmm. you know it's easy for me to kind of do something i already know how to do to take a, a half step into faith and i think that's one of the drawbacks for me is that you know i do see that god blessing people who don't follow him in certain ways and that kind of makes it difficult for me just to step in with both feet and just leave everything else to the side and uh i don't know that's just yeah yeah about it. yeah i think that, i think that's um that's a really good question so it brings up a question, and she brought this question, this uh, idea of uh, law and grace. And law and grace have to do with our relationship to God, right? As I am in the relationship, right? Then the relationship is, is uh, characterized by grace, right? Because I'm in the relationship, right? And so 
as I'm inside of that relationship, right, I, as, um, as I am, um, let's say I'm um, disobedient, right, because I am in that relationship, I want to then reconcile that immediately, right? That as I, we become cross, right, because it's in the midst of relationship that's ongoing, right, it is in my best interest to reconcile that relationship, Right? That is the grace of the relationship. But it's not like one strike, you're out. Like we're in relationship, so we're going to work it out. Right? But both parties have to want to do that. That is the grace relationship. The law relationship outside of, uh, law is outside of relationship. You have no relationship with me. You do something, you're out. Right? That's transactional. But relationally, right, that's the switch that flips. <coughs> And we see this, and then we can, this is a lot long conversation. We see this in the Old Testament as well, as well as the New. The Israelites are in a grace relationship with God. That's why Levit, that's what Leviticus is about. <laughs> how do I live in relationship with the Father? Right, that's what the New Testament is about. Live, how do I live in relationship with the Father as I'm inevitably going to mess that up? How do I continue to live in that grace, to not presume upon it? Right. So I won't get too far afield there. Okay, so... We've gone on a bit here. So, but that's the last piece that I kind of want to leave you with, okay? Is, right, to see in this for what it is, like within the relationship with God, he wants to understand that these actions lead to these blessings. I don't get these blessings without these actions. There's lots of ways to kind of work through metaphor for us to understand that. And so what it looks like for us to be obedient right now Right, is that is how I love him, is that I begin to be obedient. Right, I enter into the relationship he wants for me, and there'll be immediate benefits from that. So anything, anything uh, there to close? So I'm asking you to do something a little strange, and I'm going to explain myself, and you can uh, kind of be obedient or not. It's okay. Um, it's really important to me uh, for you guys to be able to be authentic with one another. Um, and I think that that's for obvious reasons, because as I sit here and as I can trust you and be in community with you, I need, you, I need to know that you're not perfect and that you are trying <laughs> And it's really, really helpful if you kind of um, share that. Just about kind of, hey, here's what we've been talking about, and here's just where I am right now with this. And so every time I've done this, and this is, this is uh, the benefit I think everybody gets, right? I'm, I'm leading you, and you guys are responding, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm uh, trying to help us kind of work through some stuff that the Lord has said we need to work through. But then... But I'm not the only one that can help or teach others. And so what I think is really important about the, about the body is that we work to get more comfortable with being authentic with each other wherever we're at. And so what I'm going to ask of you um, is to share. You don't need to come up here. doesn't need to be prepared. You can sit in your seat and just say, I just, here's where I am with this. Here's something I learned. Um, 
for us to trust one another enough for you to know here's here's what I if no one talks that is fine I love every one of you if you don't say a word you understand me <laughs> like that's not what that's not what this is about right but I do think that you have something to say that you want to share think about like Peter like where are you going to go and he responds to Jesus and that is so edifying to the rest of the group right what if we didn't have what Peter said to, to Jesus like he didn't like we've got all kinds of but we need to hear from Peter where he's at with stuff does that make sense and so just I mean we're not going to belabor the point but I'd love for you just to share if there's something that Lord relate on your heart or here's just what I'm struggling with right now as I ponder all of this stuff um, or um, here's just I want to encourage you because um, you, you said this to me the other day just whatever you want to share as it relates we won't go on a long time but just want to open the floor for that and then we'll we'll be done. Okay. I'd like to say something. Sure. I, I'm afraid to say this out loud, but I'm so grateful for this trip and this church family. 